Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, welcome in to the Baseball Insiders. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Robert Murray. You fine folks have no idea how close you were to getting breaking news live on the pod before the tweet. The tweet, though, is out. Cole Hamels, San Diego Padres. Uh, Bert, John Heyman just got it uh, 14 seconds ago. You beat him because you got it out right before we started the countdown. Welcome to the show. We got a packed slate. We're going to be talking Frankie Montas. We're going to be talking about Michael Waka's uh, insane contract. Uh, Christian Javier, the Astros locking up somebody in spring training beginning, hearing some not so great things from Brian Reynolds and Corbin Burns. We already had a packed show and now we've got a breaking minor league signing. How are you doing on this beautiful Thursday, my man? Dude, it has been absolute chaos today on my end. A lot of phone calls, a lot of good phone calls. Um, but I also did not expect Cole Hamels like that legitimately came out of the blue. So what a way to start the show today, buddy. It's so it's fun. It's fun to do fun things. Oh, you're Cole darn Hamels, right. Cole Hamels, uh, obviously Philly's legend. We love him. Uh, as is going to reset the clock on his Hall of Fame consideration, I guess, which is probably the weirdest part of this. Probably not going to make Cooperstown at this juncture. His career sort of it was not the same guy after 2016 with the Rangers. 2017 season at the age of 33, uh, lost that strikeout touch. He struck out 200 in 200 and a third innings in that year with the Rangers, and then just 105 in 148 the next season, bounced between the Rangers and Cubs. He's a Cub for a couple of years. He's an Atlanta Brave for one start during the shortened 2020 season. And now back in baseball with the Padres, who we talked already on the last show, have done an incredible job fleshing out their depth in the rotation. Nick Martinez is the sixth guy. Michael Waka is now there for either one, two, three, or four years. I don't really understand what that is. Cole Hamels is obviously not going to be under pressure to carry any segment of the San Diego Padres season. If he is, something has gone really wrong, but pretty cool return uh, for a hometown boy to go back to San Diego. No, it absolutely is a really cool deal for Hamels. And for the Padres, it's just them continuing to add pitching depth. And that's been a key to their offseason is they just want to – 
have as much pitching depth as it can because, you know, throughout an, an entire 162 game season, injuries are going to happen. Um, and they've experienced that in years past. They want to avoid that. And with Hamels, you really don't know what you're going to get considering that injury history that he's had. But when he's healthy uh, or when he's been healthy in the past, which obviously it's been a while ago, um, he's been an impactful pitcher. So maybe you can get somebody who pitches out of the bullpen, maybe a spot start if he does make it to the major league roster. But uh, from an organizational perspective, at least, it improves their depth. If it works out, great. If not, there's you can cut ties with no real problem there at all. Also notably one of two 2008 world champion Phillies who is married to Survivor contestants. Cole Hamill's wife, Heidi, was on Survivor Amazon. And Kyle Kendrick's wife, Stephanie LaGrosa, was on two seasons of Survivor. And recently on uh, Peacock's The Traders. So two Phillies teammates, two Survivor women. Uh, I think that's worth mentioning. And, and you, didn't, you can add that to the tweet if you want to, if you want to add that to the breaking news tweet. So I'll add that to the tweet right now. I'll just go done. Yeah, there yeah. we go. That's, that's, you, that's, the kind of, that's, it, that's the kind of insight that only you can get on the baseball insiders and from Adam Weinrib. Like that's, and that's you, you know it's coming right from the top of the dome because we didn't have Cole Hamels on the rundown today. We weren't going to talk about Cole Hamels and any science. So I gotta I gotta give you these nuggets. Yeah, I'll tell you, like this this is exactly how it played out. As we were about to go live, yes. and all of a sudden. I look at my texts and I, I get a message saying Cole Hamels to the Padres. And I ask Adam, I was like, is this out? And he's like, I haven't seen anything. And all of a sudden I put the tweet out and, and here we are talking about Cole Hamels to open up the show. It's like, it's unbelievable. But baseball, you, you can't really predict it, can you? No. And I mean, not only was it not out, but no one had tweeted, as far as I could tell, no one had tweeted the name Cole Hamels in six hours in any way. Yeah. Now, yeah. maybe maybe Elon Musk was messing with my search function. Maybe he was just blowing up everywhere else, but not on my feed. But it dead silent in the Cole Hamels market until you launched that. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I came dangerously, dangerously close to tweeting Coke Hamels. Um, so that, uh, that would have brought back nice memories from the winter meetings this year. <laughs> that's why you can't. That's why not everybody can do <laughs> what you do. Uh, and that's why everybody out there who is subscribed – to the Baseball Insiders, maybe you're here because you're subscribed. Thanks for coming. Highly recommend it. If you're here and you're not subscribed um, because you saw the Cole Hamels news, you just had to hop on the live stream, welcome. Uh, you'll be here uh, for a very exciting show today, but hopefully you smash that subscribe button and stick around for quite a while. We're also on all podcast platforms, but most importantly, we're live streaming Mondays and Thursdays, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and we got a lot to uh, take down today. I didn't even get to do my... I, I'm wearing a Cardinals hat, my preferred open. I was going to pay tribute to Tim McCarver, an all-timer, and a man who uh, inspired me on my broadcast. I'm obviously not a broadcaster, but on my journey in baseball. He was the voice of my childhood, the voice of a generation. Passed away, uh, we got word about an hour and a half ago. Wanted to pay tribute to him. I didn't know we were going to start with Cole Hamels, but a, a very, very meaningful uh, uh, life McCarver led. The broadcasts have not been the same without him. I would say, I don't know if you feel the same, but losing a uh, buck and McCarver from baseball is a lot like losing Buck and Aikman to the ESPN, but at least they're still on the air though. Losing McCarver was a big one and uh, I miss him very much. Yeah. Adam, that was very well said. And yeah, I, that was uh that's a huge blow for baseball. Huge. I mean, a huge blow for, I mean, everybody that follows the sport and is in the sport and Ken Rosenthal wrote a really good column today on the athletic about it uh, and about Tim and like what it was like working with him. So uh, I highly recommend reading that, but all my thoughts go out to Tim 
his family and everybody that knew him. Yes. No more needs to be said, but one of the all time greatest. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's start running down the uh, list of, of things that have broken over the past week or so things we have to address. We'll talk injuries. We'll talk disenchantment. Um, the one thing I don't want to miss though, is because uh, we forgot it on the last episode, Christian Javier, the latest to uh, sign this below market extension with the Houston Astros, they announced Jordan. I mean, they announced the Jordan Alvarez deal a long time ago, but he had his presser today. So there are all these press photos of Jordan Alvarez out there. They also locked down Christian Javier for just five years and sixty-four million dollars. I think it doesn't get it somehow doesn't get talked about enough that he threw two combined no hitters last year, including one in the World Series. Christian Javier is at the top of his game. Uh, he is somebody who was signed at an absolute bargain out of Latin America. Uh, and the man who signed him went on to, to uh, leave the organization, go to the Marlins this offseason. But he famously sort of managed to put together without a big budget, Framber, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, and they're just stacked. There's that never-ending pipeline in Houston. He sticks around, but are you at all surprised that he bought in and he chose to buy out some free agent years with super – uh, obviously this deal is backloaded, but it's not as much money as he could have made if he'd waited to the open market. Yeah. I, I was surprised um, that they did a deal now, but I also was not because Houston, they hired Dana Brown away from the Atlanta Braves. And we've talked about this plenty on this show and we all know how much the Braves like to extend their young players. And that's exactly what, um, what Dana Brown is doing now with, Houston, they did it with Christian Javier. I thought he obviously would have gotten more money if he was on the open market, especially with how he's pitching now and the kind of upside that he has. Um, but he's still going to reach for agency at a really young age. Um, so he's still going to have another opportunity to cash in, uh, especially if he stays healthy. I also don't think that this is going to mark the end for Houston. Um, Dana Brown went on the record today and said that he's even made it clear to Jose Altuve's agent that he wants him to be um, in Houston for the rest of his career. Um, whether or not that ultimately happens remains to be seen, but Brown has not been shy at all about his desire to extend these young players. He even told Jim Crane, or he even told uh, the media that he, Jim Crane better like, uh, what is it, have his pocket ready or something like that. I can't remember the exact quote, um, but it was just like, whoa. And I even asked somebody earlier today on the phone, it was just like, have you ever heard a GM talk this openly about it? And his response was never. And I personally like it. I think it's really good for baseball. Um, just having teams spin like this. And who knows, maybe we have an Astros foundation before too long. <laughs> if the Astros foundation, I would, I would accept it only if they're relentlessly dedicated to bettering the game of baseball, to leaving baseball in a better place than okay. where the 2017 Astros found it. I would accept uh, that foundation, uh, doing charity work to increase their reputation. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of young stars in Houston and, uh, it makes more sense that they would lay the foundation and keep those guys now that they have a GM in place. And if Jim Crane is willing to do it, then more power to him. It's, it's, you're right. It's totally good for the game. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's move on to maybe some areas where uh, the players in the front office and the GM and and uh, the, the owners don't see quite so eye to eye. Uh, it seems like it's harmonious in Houston, not so much in Milwaukee. Uh, and I'm glad that we uh, have this. I'm glad that the show is going up after these comments came out because I was so excited to talk to you about these. And, and you reached out to me, too, to make sure we got this on the docket. I said, uh, yeah, believe me, I, I put it on the docket. Um, Corbin Burns reports to camp and speaks to the media today. And it's basically uh, the platonic anti- – it's every fan is worried when their player goes to an arbitration hearing that they're going to leave with their reputation damaged and their relationship to the club damaged. But you you rarely see a clear example of that happening. Dylan Batances with the Yankees a couple of years ago went through this. They apparently went after him for not being able to sell tickets as an eighth-inning reliever. Cool. Uh, but Corbin Burns sort of went on the warpath – Talked about how he spent his Valentine's Day flying back and forth to haggle over under $750,000 with the Brewers. He lost his case. He talked about how you learn about how the team values you. And he said, quote, there's no denying that the relationship is definitely hurt from what transpired. If you're the Brewers, how do you justify doing that to somebody like Burns? I, I don't have a good answer. Um, I really don't. I have I have a lot of thoughts about this one. Um it reminds me so much of what happened with Josh Hader. Um, the Brewers had a superstar young pitcher, um, could not agree on a salary. I believe it was in 2020, took him to an arbitration hearing and it damaged that relationship um, to the point where Hader was not used the same after that hearing is before that he was, a, he could be a multi-inning reliever. After that, he was strictly a one inning reliever. He would not pitch more than that. Um, and ultimately he was traded. Obviously like a lot of that stemmed from salary reasons um, because the Brewers were not, they're not the team that can pay a reliever 15 plus million a year. Um, so they traded him last year and you look at Burns, he is quite possibly the best young pitcher in baseball. You take him to an arbitration hearing over $750,000 or a little bit less than that. Um, and you tell him to his face that he was, a reason why they did not make the postseason last year. Um, among other things, you cause him to be away from his family or be away from his wife on Valentine's Day. I've been around Burns for years. I know how important his wife and his family is, and I'm sure that absolutely crushed him. Um, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it in the end. We saw what happened with Josh Hader. Um, it may very well like. And even Burns was very he, – he did not hide his feelings about how he felt um, coming out of that hearing. I don't expect Burns to be traded now. I don't expect him to be traded this year. Um, but that conversation is going to continue to grow probably after this year um, with his salary going up. And are the Brewers going to be able to retain a player like that? It's going to be really tough because they also have to worry about Willie Adamas and Brandon Woodruff. But for right now um, – that relationship, it's, it's, it's hurt. Um, it's impacted um, Burns, to his credit, from everything that I've heard, 
he's going to try to put it past him and try to like continue. He's, he's, uh, he's the ultimate competitor is what he is. Um, we'll try to put it past him. We'll move forward. We'll pitch. Um, but I wonder what the consequences are going to look like in the future because of this. Yeah, that's the natural follow. And, and you, you know, you answered it because you know what's coming. If you say this reminds me of the Josh Hader situation and the Josh Hader trade basically felt predetermined from that point on, you know, it took a while to get there, but we were all eyeing it. And everybody from the outside was saying, this Brewers team is in contention. They're really going to trade Josh Hader. Like it's such, it's that much of a certainty. And then there he goes finally to the Padres last summer. Uh, you know, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not at this year's deadline, but the, the natural follow-up is you sort of feel like this starts the train of making a Burns trade an inevitability rather than reaching free agency and risking losing him for nothing. I mean, that, that's certainly my read on it. And I, I think there's a lot of logic in what you're saying um, because the Brewers, they did not want to lose Hater for nothing when he became or like, so that's why they, uh, explored a trade and ultimately moved him to the Padres. Uh, teams checked in on Burns quite a bit this offseason, and the Brewers were pretty pretty adamant that they wanted to hold on to him. Um, but if the Brewers do eventually make Burns available, which, as I said, it's not going to be now, would highly doubt midseason. I still think the end of the next or the end of this season is when it becomes a little bit more possible. Um, there's going to be plenty of teams interested, and you know how the, the Brewers too. They have uh, a really good group of young pitchers. They have um, they have Burns. They have Brandon Woodruff, who, as I mentioned, also could use an extension. They have Freddie Peralta, who they did extend. Then they have Aaron Ashby, who they also extended too. Um, he is going to miss a couple of months of the regular season. Um, he is dealing with a shoulder injury. The team actually uh, just announced it. Um, but the indications that I got yesterday – were not overly positive. So they're between hurting their relationship with Burns and the Aaron Ashby news today, this has not been a very good stretch for Brewers pitchers. Um, Matt Arnold, when I talked to him yesterday, uh, the Brewers GM, he did not rule out an outside addition. They have internal depth where they can end up like uh, where they, they could try to solve that. But um Boy, I, I wonder if, if they could end up exploring a, a veteran player on a minor league contract um, just to make up for Ashby's absence here. You and I have been looking at the Brewers all offseason, too, just sort of saying, you know, Willie Adamas, like in, teams interested in a shortstop. Are you talking to them? Are you looking at him? Where is he on your radar? What do you think it would take? Like, how do you think this how far off the rails do you think this Brewer season would have to go before they entertain doing something like that midseason? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I don't really want, I don't really know a number or like mm-hmm. a spot in the standings, um, but it would have to go just a wire for this to happen or for mm-hmm. that to happen. Um, boy, I'll tell you, I, I know the fan frustration now in Milwaukee um, and how much or how upset they are, and rightfully so after this Burns hearing. Um, Boy, if, if they ended up starting the season ice cold and then moving one of those players, that could end up being, oh, boy. I'm glad I moved to Scottsdale. Let's just say that. <laughs> Goodness me. Goodness gracious. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, hey, cost-benefit analysis of taking someone to an arbitration fight over less than a million dollars is exactly what we're seeing here. So maybe next time you look in the books, 
for that $748,000. And you go, oh, I, I left some under the couch cushion. I guess I could just pay that to Corbin Burns instead of devaluing him in the public square. But congrats on your win, Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, that's a big win for you. Um, $750,000. That's massive. You could install uh, some reinforcements on Bernie Brewer's slide, probably. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you get another tap at the craft beers of the world stand in in right center. I mean, the the possibilities are simply endless. Uh, Then on the flip side, your ace is now furious. But hey. Yeah, God, I'll tell you, if I was running that team, I would not have done that. That's... Boy, not not good. But and that also one more thought on this is like I have no issue with um, players in this case, like fighting for more money. And I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of players uh, trying to get as much as they can. And that's why we've seen more and more players go to an arbitration hearing. It doesn't I, I feel like it should happen more or where teams don't. I I, I want to exp- try to figure out how I want to explain that. Um but I, long story short is I just I don't have an issue with Burns trying to get as much as he thinks he deserves because, as I said, he's the best young pitcher in baseball. Um, go get your dough. So, um, yeah, just it's really unfortunate that, 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 that this happened. Yeah, I think you're right. It, these are the parameters they're in that are in place for players to do that. So if a player has to go to an arbitration hearing to get that contract they deserve – then by all means go for it. But it feels like there's got to be a better system than uh, having a knockdown drag out fight in front of a neutral arbiter, as well as maybe the team should potentially just reconsider if they feel like dragging out this process. Um, Sticking in the NL central Corbin Burns was not the only player whose future is up for grabs to report with an interesting uh, thing to say about their contract status. Uh, Brian Reynolds reported to pirates camp. Uh, made a trade request this offseason with three years of team control left before he would hit free agency. So you you can't force anyone in to doing anything when you have that much time before free agency. Uh, even Kevin Durant did not force uh, Brian Reynolds. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant asked for a trade, didn't get one for a while. Then he got one. Brian Reynolds asked for a trade. He's still sitting there. But there were rumors before his arrival. Did he rescind the request? Are the Pirates really asking for all that much? Why haven't we heard any movement on that front? And Reynolds got in front of the media yesterday and said, his preference is to extend in Pittsburgh, but the trade request still stands and neither side has moved at all from their initial ask. That would leave the Pirates between 76 and 80 million and Reynolds between 130 and 134 million over the course of a long-term deal. He said he does not want to break the bank you know, shatter the record for the position. He also doesn't want to sign some sort of team-friendly deal. It was what stood out most to you, because what stood out most to me was that he can want to extend as as much as he wants to, but both teams seem to be at the same line in the sand they were earlier in the offseason when the request was initially made. Yeah, and yeah, Reynolds obviously requested that trade, and the Pirates immediately, their response was, that they weren't going to trade him, that they want to build around Brian Reynolds. And that request, um, which, as John Heyman reported at the time, it, it stemmed from a lowball contract extension offer. It would have made him the highest paid Pirates player in history, but like that's not a very high bar to clear. <laughs> uh, that's $72 million, I believe it's $72 million, yeah. uh, by Key Brian Hayes. Um, yeah. And... Reynolds thinks he's worth a lot more than that. And rightfully so. Like he's a very good player. 
um, a really good player and a really talented young outfielder who's uh, cheap, controllable. I mean, that's a lot of the, what these teams covet. Um, and the Pirates, they got a they got a lot of interest in Reynolds. Like, um, but their asking price was also extremely high, and that always made a trade more unlikely than not. Um, and I still don't see any way that Brian Reynolds is traded before opening day, unless something shocking happens. Um, like he, he's going to be a pirate. Maybe they're ultimately able to work out a long-term deal that would require Bob Nutting to really open up his wallet and expand payroll. But I also think that they should. And if you look at what the pirates are building, like I I've said this from the beginning of the off season, I really, 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 really like what the Pirates are building. And I can't believe those are words coming out of my mouth. Um, they have a good young nucleus. You have Brian Reynolds, you have O'Neill Cruz, you have Key Brian Hayes, who's a really good defender at third base. We're still trying to figure out what he is offensively. Um, you have a good, like, you have other good um, young players on that team. You have a good veteran base now with Andrew McCutcheon. You got G Man Choi. Um, I mean, they signed a bunch of, and they also got Rich Hill. I mean, I got to mention Rich Hill. <laughs> and you also look at their farm system too. Um, their farm system is like, it's a, it's in a good spot right now. Um, so give them like another year. And you also have Brian Reynolds as a huge part of that roster. You're looking, you're looking pretty good here. And that's why I think they should, they should extend. Um, they should extend Reynolds because he is the key part of what their next era is going to be. I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to offer him a contract that he wants, um, but they should. And for, for the pirate's sake, I hope they do. That does make me think, I mean, we, you like the pirates off season, you like the pirates plan and the best version of that plan includes Reynolds long-term, which makes me think that it is just ownership standing in the way of this thing getting done um we have a question uh, you know saying what's the bigger roadblock is it you know the team's offer um you know is it the years or is it the aav or is it the total money uh what do you think do you think this is ownership putting a foot down and saying we're not going over this record setting sum or is this just a disagreement between the value between everybody over the value of the player i don't necessarily know what it is um i don't know I don't, I don't know if it's ownership. Uh, it's obviously, the, each side has a difference in, in their value since they were so far apart. Um, so perhaps that's the key reason, but I, I don't know. Um, I'll have to do some more digging and see what I can uncover. But, um, yeah, it's, I, that gap should be, should be closed. I don't, know, I don't know what each side was seeking or I don't, know what, I don't know what Reynolds was seeking. I don't know what the Pirates are offering, but um, – yeah, it, it, they should be a lot closer than they were. Let's just say that. And while you're digging, make sure to get us photos of jacked keep Brian Hayes showing up to camp because I am I am intrigued. I've not seen that yet. I've not seen a uh, yoked young Hayes. Uh, so I'll look that up as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, that's good insight there by Ethan Fisher. I had not seen that. So shout out to Ethan, who was who first reported in the Baseball Insiders chat that Key Brian Hayes is jacked. That's the uh, thing. Some people show up. At, some people say they're in the best shape of their lives. And you're like, I don't think you really are. And some people, they are in the best shape of their lives, but it's relative because they were in horrible shape before and now they're in fine shape. And it's like, well, yeah, but what does that really do for me? If Cabrian Hayes is like actually jacked, then like, yeah, we might have something here. 
Oh, you absolutely might. And I'll tell you, like, it's good. You know, baseball is right around the corner when we're hearing about players being in the best shape of their lives. Like, yeah, baseball season is officially here, baby. My two favorite articles are best shape of their life, which we're getting a ton of them, and best shape of their life's cousin, player looks completely different. We just got a Javier Baez tweet uh, from the Tigers where he's got like a strip of white hair on his head. I don't know what that is, but that's not what he looked like the last time I saw him. And it's nice to see it. It's nice to see something different. It is. It's refreshing. It's it cleanses the timeline because there's so much negativity nowadays. Now we're seeing like I look at down on my Twitter feed now. Actually, this is kind of funny. Um, we have a picture from Evan Grant of uh, a pitcher throwing, and then there's a picture of uh, Jonathan Gannon, um, which, <laughs> oh, which as an Eagles fan, that still hurts. Um, but anyways, I digress. There's been plenty of baseball in my timeline, which is always a welcome thing. I'm seeing Cabrian, and it's between 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. Uh, yeah, he looks big. Uh, confirmed. Confirmed Ethan Fisher's report uh, that Cabrian is <laughs> large. Uh, yeah, you, catching up on credit. Yeah, catching up on credit. It's Coke <laughs> Hamels to the Padres. Bird had that first. Uh, he also had Cole Hamels. And then on uh, Brian Hayes being large. That's all you, Ethan. Thanks for letting us know. Um, before we uh, get too far off the rails, uh, let's talk about Yankees nonsense. Frankie Montas needs shoulder surgery. That became official yesterday. It was rumored prior he was going to miss the first month or so of the season, building back up in his throwing program. Uh, some will recall he came to the Yankees last summer as their big trade deadline acquisition, having already battled shoulder issues beforehand, uh, which is why obviously a burner asked, is this the same injury that caused Montas to miss time just before the trade deadline? I don't think we know that. I don't think anybody knows that, but it does make the situation more uncomfortable uh, because you got to trust Brian Cashman and the Yankees front office to do their due diligence. And if somebody's cleared for takeoff and cleared for trade, then you have to trust that that's going to happen. Um, and whether it's the same issue or not, we know there was a foundational shoulder problem before the trade and there still is now, and he's getting a scope. He's either going to miss all of this season or most of it, depending on how bad that is and what it shows and what the surgeons find. Looking back, where does this fall on the bad Brian Cashman trade pantheon, and and what do we what do we know about the fallout of this deal? This is this is among the worst deals that Brian Cashman has ever made. Um, I feel like that's a pretty safe thing to say. I even I think it was Joel Sherman uh, in the Post who kind of compared this to the Carl Pavano trade years ago, um, which good comp. That's. Uh, this trade has been nothing short of a disaster for the Yankees because that was their move along with Andrew Benintendi last year of going, would you say that's kind of, a, would you say that's an all in move? I thought so. Um, I mean, they wanted Luis Castillo. The fans wanted Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo was going to cost Anthony Volpe. Then I think everybody sort of backed off. They really believe in him uh, and the fans do too. So the fans are not surrendering a position player prospect like that for a pitcher of any kind. It's going to make fans nervous. If you don't have somebody else in the pipeline, you're equally comfortable with. So I think people were excited to get Montas. He's a clear, the second choice last summer. They did not have to surrender one of their top three position players. Uh, Waldachuk is a top 100 prospect goes out there. JP Sears and Luis Medina, but 10 starts a 6.35 ERA. And then a missed second season of control is as bad as it gets. Yeah. And like, as you were saying that, 
I had a really interesting hypothetical go through my head. This is, I don't know if this has been speculated on, but this is something that just popped into my head. Um, and if it's, if it's idiotic, just tell me, but you know, I will. So the Yankees, they obviously acquired, um, Josh Donaldson last year. Um, what Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. Um, and if they hadn't done that and they still had all that payroll room available, they could have signed Carlos Correa, which then would have made Anthony Volpe more expendable mm-hmm. in this scenario, at least. Do you then trade Volpe, but instead of getting Montas, do you get Luis Castillo? And then last season looks totally different. That's a huge what if. I don't like, is it, am I wrong for thinking that? No, you're 100% right. The permutations are endless, right? You could also clear up that payroll space and, uh, yeah, make that Castillo trade a last year's deadline. This offseason, if you don't have that payroll space, you can sign a Verlander instead of counting on a Frankie Montas, maybe. Maybe not quite, but Verlander run on. It's pretty exciting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they also had a wildly transformative trade deadline last year where they – add Montas to the rotation, trade Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for Harrison Bader, a deal that I think Yankee fans are more excited about now than they were when it was done. But also a lot of moving parts, add a pitcher, lose one, which led to speculation they were going to trade Glaber Torres for Pablo Lopez. That doesn't work out. But if that had worked out, you have the infield log jam solved this year. You can use Volpe. You can start him at second base instead of starting him at triple A. And you have the Montas injury and you can shake it off and say, we still have Pablo Lopez as our fifth starter. A lot of things that could have gone down that didn't because of the way last year's trade deadline shuffle shook out. And it was full of, I keep, I just think the Yankees got too cute by a factor of like one or two there, like blockbuster trade. Sure. But then they're giving away depth, but then they're not making a corresponding move. It's a lot of weirdness and you you get what you give. And now you have an injured Frankie Montas. You do. And it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how Brian Cashman overcomes this. Um, Hello, everybody. (laughs) We may be undergoing some technical difficulties. Difficulties is how that word is pronounced. But Robert will be back on the stream shortly. This happens from time to time. In the meantime, while you're here with me, please subscribe to the Baseball Insiders Live on YouTube. We're here 3.30 Eastern every Monday and Thursday, and that's going to be consistent for the remainder of the offseason and during the regular season. Uh, Maybe we'll be around a little more often during the regular season because we're going to be here surrounding big moments. Um, So you'll have us whenever uh, whenever you need us, right? Uh, It's not always going to be – it's not always going to be Cole Hamels breaking uh, a couple of minutes before we're scheduled to go on. But if there's a moment that requires it and, and, uh, you know, we're uh, we're ready and available, we'll also be going live. So you're only going to get those alerts. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, you will find us here at those designated times, but we will find uh, more times to be available as well. Um, and follow Robert, of course, on Twitter, because he's the one who sent you the link. He's back. I'm back. And I, I that was not a breaking news kind of thing. That was my f- computer just randomly shut off. Um, so hopefully I didn't just tease anybody in the chat here. Um, I don't think so, but we didn't lose a single viewer. So I feel good about that. That, that makes me feel much better. I, I apologize to everybody for that. Um, and yeah, we were talking about 
the Yankees before. Um, so sorry, sorry about that. I know Adam's precious Yankees. He doesn't want to miss any Yankees talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about these clowns. Uh, I mean, Frankie Montas. The the problem is that uh, bottom line, and I don't it's, I don't know if this is fair or not. I don't know what the MRI said last summer. I don't know how his injury progressed. I don't know when it got from bad to worse. I don't. I don't know any of these things, right? But Brian Cashman is paid to know these things. And the general public knew he had a shoulder issue before the trade. So Brian Cashman knew that as well. He knew the extent of it. I didn't. It was on him and his lieutenants to figure out whether this was a good deal to make or not. And clearly it was a mistake. Uh, also, some eyebrows being raised at the surgery being had on February 21st when the injury was from June. Uh, I raised my eyebrows there as well. It would have been uh, much less of a bummer to receive this notification on November 8th saying that Frankie Montas needs his shoulder scoped and he'll be back by June than to receive it on the eve of spring training and just learn his season is already over. Yeah, because if you learn about that a lot earlier, you know exactly or you can you have time to prepare um, and try to end up adding players to overcome that absence. And, and now you're left with – I mean, we're at the stage of the offseason where Cole Hamels is signing. Um, and it's it leaves the Yankees in a really difficult position. You who's available on the free agent market, who is possibly available on the trade market. I mean, the, the twins, they have an abundance of players who are signed uh, in the rotation to one year contracts. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Sonny Gray is not going to be among those options. For the <laughs> well, at least the Yankees don't have Larry Rothschild anymore. He's gone. So you never know. See, it, it, it may be. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I mean, maybe, maybe they explore something with the Twins. I mean, there's going to be, um, I'm sure there would be an abundance of trade options um, made available throughout spring. Um, so you never know there. But it uh, navigating this one is going to be a huge challenge for Cashman. I don't really know exactly how we'll go about doing it, um, but we do know one thing: that the Frankie Montage trade was a colossal failure. Um, boy, between I mean the Ben and thing, or yeah, Ben and last year, but getting him that turned out to be a whiff because he was hurt basically right after the trade. Montas disaster. I liked their moves at the time, but oh boy. Yeah, not uh, to quote Joe Girardi, not what you want. And Scott F. Ross lost to Tommy John surgery. Now, you can't, you can't predict Tommy John surgery, but it's another one that does not, not going to pay off for quite a while. Um, I think that's the answer. We liked him at the time. None of them worked, <laughs> period. No. Um, no. And, and now that we have the contract details for a guy like Michael Waka, who's signed for just $4 million in 2023, but it's a four-year $26 million deal, $16 million club options in 24 and 25. Our guy, AJ Preller, is inventing new ways to sign people, and I think that's interesting. But the Yankees only have to clear another million dollars to get a guy like Waka. Do they do that if they know Montas needs surgery a month ago, a month and a half ago? And uh, – this is also just a nice jumping off point to talk about your boy, AJ Preller's contract negotiating skills. I don't know what this deal is. And Ken Rosenthal tweeted the details today. I still don't know what this deal is. It's insane. I'll tell you. So before I dive into 
uh, what the Waka meet or Waka deal means for the Yankees and the Padres. That that structure of that contract was very, very, very eerily similar to uh, Chad Green's deal with the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I even texted someone earlier. I'm like, is it just me or does that look a lot like Chad Green's deal? And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. So I think that's where maybe that inspiration came from. Um, but maybe the Yankees would have been able to do a like one for five, but also like Waka wanted um, – he wanted a multi-year deal. And Dennis Lynn of The Athletic Today wrote that Waka actually was seeking a two-year for $30 million contract. So that could have been tough to, to accomplish there uh, for the Yankees on a, on a short-term, like, one-year contract. But all it took was A.J. Preller to do what A.J. Preller does and get active. And and it was funny yesterday. Like, I was at the uh, the manager-slash-GM uh, media day here in, in Phoenix. Um and I looked at AJ Preller and I'm like, he's going to go sign someone. And lo and behold, it, it, it turned out to be Michael Walker and now Cole Hamels. Like it's uh, the man, the man doesn't sleep. And I'll tell you, if I was a Padres fan, I'd be freaking excited. Like having a GM who is that active, who from all I can tell does not sleep um, is in his spare time, just plays pickup basketball. He's very good at it, by the way, from everything that I've heard. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's another thing that, or another person that makes baseball like a really, really, really great game is, um, you just never know what you're going to get. So if you were there at the summit yesterday, watching Preller stalk around making his moves, does that mean that you were there for the rule change press conference and all the new bases versus old bases stuff and everybody walking around, taking a picture of the gigantic new bases? Because if so... Uh, very jealous. That was a great, that's an all time. You talk about beat writer photos of like people zooming in from very far away to just oh, put a blurry guy. Uh, the bases comparison was everybody had that. It was, it was great to see. Oh, it was awesome. I, unfortunately I was not there, um, hmm. which that's uh, a very sad thing, but I did see a picture of Jeff Passan on the mound. Um, he was, he was like, it looked like he was about to pitch, which I didn't expect that. That just was a really random thing that popped up on my Twitter feed yesterday. I can't remember who tweeted that, but whoever did a good job. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, like, I think the, like, I think my biggest takeaway from like the, the new rules or the bases being bigger. Um, and this is something that I've heard from numerous people throughout the industry is that there's going to be more of a value placed on base dealers. And it's going to happen more often. Um, those players are going to become increasingly valuable because players are going to be more inclined to steal um, because it's going to be slightly easier to steal. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it, it's impacted one at the trade deadline, but also two um, in free agency, like how much of a value teams place on those kind of players. I'm intrigued too. I got to say I'm worried about, veteran relievers with the pitch clock. I'm not worried about most pitchers. I'm certainly not worried about the young ones who came up with it. I'm worried about the Kenley Jansons and the Aroldis Chapmans of the world. Kenley Jansen taking some time off from the WBC specifically to practice the new pitch clock and and taking that breath and, and adjusting his pace from what he's become so used to over the years. That is going to be a really odd adjustment to start off with. Um, but the new bases should encourage sci- uh, sign stealing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still uh, 
They should encourage sign stealing because there's more room to put cameras in a giant base. So you should be able to get a good angle on the catchers. No, I don't know. Um, But it should encourage stealing. And it should also the pickoff rules. Once you if you go over twice and you're not allowed to go over again, it's going to give the batter a chance to get a head start. And those two pickoff throws better be your best pickoff throws. You can't be going half ass to first base and realizing that you wasted one and the bat the runner's looking over you like he just tossed the lollipop you can't even do this you can only do it one more time yeah. i want to go exactly and i'll tell you too because this, this, this is something that i got ripped over um last year is i always got i i never understood why fans booed when a team or when a pitcher threw over to first base to like yeah. check a run like i think that's just stupid um but now i mean I think there's more of a reason for it, especially like, I mean, because like, you, you got to like actually like, as you said, you're not going to throw a lollipop over there. You're not going to waste an opportunity. Um, yeah. So like, I, I, I think that's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all like impacts the game, whether it does or not. Um, but I, I think it's for the best, uh, especially this one. Um, Cause I know those would just really kind of, I don't know. They just felt pointless at times. Yeah. there's always strategy behind everything that they do. Kind of. There's way, a reason John Lester retired. <laughs> see that? Hey, there you go. Well, as soon as this, yeah, boy, as soon as this rule is implemented, John Lester is, is out of the game. Report. Yeah. But uh, the Brewers have released a statement on Corbin Burns, by the way. Oh, wow. Really? And you know what? Should I read it off right now? Please. Uh, the arbitration process always presents uncomfortable situations for both the player and the club involved it is never easy to present a case against a member of the brewers family i'd like to reiterate that we view corbin as one of the leaders of our franchise and value him as an elite talent in the game corbin is a major contributor to the organization both on and off the field and we look forward to another outstanding season from him in 2023 and this is my translation we screwed up that's exactly what yeah and yeah that's Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what uh, we screwed up in there was them explicitly saying what they value him as because we knew in the wake of him speaking out that they must have had a severe disagreement on the each other's value he probably pointed to the scoreboard and said look at my Cy Young results and look at my numbers and I don't yeah. know what they said back but clearly there is a value argument there. And so they went out of their way in the apology statement to say, we value him as a leader of a championship contender. You better. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, it, it, it sounds, or believe it or not, Adam, a, a franchise altering pitcher is actually a good thing um, yeah. and, and not a bad thing. So who, who could have seen that coming? No. Uh, yeah, just check that shoulder first before you surrender assets for one. Uh, who, could you be, who could you be talking about? I, yeah, I have no idea. I, don't, I assume they didn't look. I assume they didn't look. They just Google <laughs> Frankie Montas. Um, one more thing before we sign off. Uh, yeah, Mark Powell, that's what he's saying. Uh, I, I feel like I got to call it back because last show we were talking about the Dodgers and Alex Reyes, and you were sort of just skirting around like, hey, maybe the Dodgers and somebody else. We don't know. Maybe we're, maybe we're thinking about doing that again. We did have a Zach Britton showcase this week, and, and the commenters are asking about it because Cubbies are looking for a lefty reliever. Johnny is asking. Uh, I know the Cubs were there at the Zach Britton showcase. I know the Dodgers were there. Giants, Angels, Mets, and Rangers are the other teams. We've heard about the Mets in Britain forever because of Buck Showalter, and I guess he wants to get another chance to leave him in the bullpen in the most important game of the year. Um, but that's a team we've long heard their interest. 
Now the Dodgers and Cubs make a ton of sense if we're getting the picture filled out a little bit. Uh, was that what you were hinting at? And, and what do we know about Britain after that showcase? That is precisely what I was hinting at. And I had written a column uh, on sided um, explaining three teams that I thought made sense for Britain, a.k.a. these are three teams that are in on Zach Britain. And it was the Dodgers, it's, or it was the Angels. I don't know if they're still in after signing Matt Moore. Um, and it was the Rangers. And lo and behold, there's some other teams that showed up there just to check in exactly where he's at. Um, I, oddly enough, did not hear any reports coming out of it. So I would imagine no news is good news. It's at least how I'm kind of viewing it. Um, yeah. But interesting. I'm getting a very interesting phone call right now. Um, I will take that in a little bit. Take I'll it just... right now. Yeah, we are. Uh, I will sign us off if you want. Yeah, if, that sounds good to me. If you could, I will. Uh, mute yourself before you take it. That is it for this edition of the Baseball Insiders. You guys are the best. Thanks for joining us every Monday and Thursday, three thirty Eastern. As always, I went through this spiel in the middle. You can like and subscribe to the channel, to the videos. As Bird always says, that's what put fo- puts food on our table. He says it better than me because he doesn't stumble over put he says puts uh but another great episode from you robert and uh thanks everybody for showing up thanks for the comments thanks for absolutely killing it we will see you next week see you later everybody thank you very much the new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores because when your credit scores increase your opportunities do too like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.